All right, hey everybody! Uh, welcome to the second episode. The first second, episode. Second yeah, episode. The second episode. <laughs> is this the second or the first? Uh, well, is the last shit usable? Maybe. Yeah, well, this is embarrassing. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> let's just let's just call this episode zero zero two. Okay. Of Tap That Ash podcast, which is still. A working title. Still the the title because we're pretty unoriginal. We've had a couple of days now and we haven't come up with shit. Well, maybe that's all we need to come up with, though. You know what I mean? Like maybe that's it. Maybe that's the thing. I don't know. Is it enough? I guess we'll see. All right. So, what are we doing tonight here? Uh, well, uh, add it to the list of things that were poor planning. Uh, we're doing another viaje. <laughs> That's right, because we did a viaje for the first we one. Did a viaje for the first one, so this is a chicharrones original. Okay, but to be fair, it's not that we're necessarily the bad planners. It's just that that's like all we had that was similar or the same, rather. Yeah, it was pretty tough to find something that we had uh, similar. Well, and just for future reference as well we won't always be doing the same cigar it would be nice but you know I, I think we've established that we want this podcast to be uh, more so about the conversation rather than the cigar review even though the cigar review does weigh pretty heavily in the tap that ash world but we could have two separate cigar reviews Right. I think we still are going to review. It's just going to be right. two different reviews. And you know what? If people don't like it, I said I don't have to listen. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that should be the tagline for the, the podcast. <laughs> if you don't like it, you don't have to listen. <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, Sometimes that's all you can do is say uh, whatever. Don't listen. <laughs> all right. How long have you had your chicharrones? A long time. The the cello was uh, pretty yellow, and um, the barcode strip from when I purchased it is almost worn all the way. Okay. The ink is all okay. worn off. So I've had mine for a little bit less time than that. So you're running off of a pretty aged Chicharrones, and I'm running off of a... I wouldn't say fairly new. I think, in fact, I bought this one right after I moved to San Antonio. So it's it's about five months old in my humidor. And I don't think that the shop that I bought it from, uh, shout out Cigar Point, um, I don't think that it sat there pretty long. So. All right, then. So th- that'll be the difference, right? At the end of the, the podcast, the reviews will be coming from a, a younger aged one and an older aged one but but here's the, here's the deal you don't know that you're right you, I don't you don't know that it didn't sit at Cigar Castle or wherever you bought it from C- Cigar Point shout right? out you don't you don't know that so it could have been sitting there these two cigars could have been rolled by, by the, the same, same lovely virgin on the same thighs yeah and then put in separate boxes and sent off to their respective uh, destinations and 
you know, I'm just saying they could be down to the day. I mean, the seeds that grew this leaf could have been germinated on the same day. I'm just saying you don't know because you didn't source that. You don't know. Okay, so what I'm getting is that this is a star-crossed love story of two lovers coming back to I'm each just other. Saying you, I'm just saying you don't know. That's all. I'm you heard it here, folks. You heard it here, folks. These two cigars, star-crossed lovers, they've been separated and now they're back together. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think there's any reason to be to be like that about it. I'm just saying you don't know. You make an <laughs> assumption and you you don't really know what's happening with these cigars. So, you know, enjoy um, enjoy Cigar Paradise or wherever the hell you bought that thing at. Cigar Point, shout out. Cigar yeah, Point. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Going to get a sponsorship. Gabe. My boy Gabe at Cigar Point. That fool doesn't know who I am. I don't know why I'm saying he's my boy. Oh, God. Oh, boy. That good, Ugh. huh? Oh, oh, my God. Jesus. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's got a unique flavor. Could that be the chicharrones? Oh, my God. You know what it um, it tastes like? This is a little story for you. Here's a little story time early in the podcast. Okay, um, go for it. Many years ago, I was living on the, the West Coast. Um, I had to go through this little town called Vernon, California. Uh, uh, south L.A. And anyways, um, what the town of Vernon is known for is the Farmer John factory. Or plant, I guess. It's a basically it's a bunch of big steam vats and they take the the whole hog and steam the meat off the bones and separate it from the skin. And uh and okay. they process okay. the meat there, right? So make your various various pork product. Good story. Um so what happens is, is they steam these hog for hours and hours and it's a it's a shift of things, so there's constantly new new hogs going into the steamer, if you will. So, so I'm going somewhere with this, so just give me a minute. And, uh, <laughs> I'm not saying anything. And so the constantly new hog going into the steamer. So anyways, the smell um, of the place is, is like you would imagine if you put um, some pork chops in the dishwasher and then ran it on high heat. And then opened it up and put your head inside. That's what the smell of Vernon is like, um, basically all the time, because that's what it smells like. So that smell, if you can imagine what that might smell like, that's what this tastes like. <laughs> well, okay. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'm going to say that I don't get that. <laughs> um, not even a little bit. I, I don't think of a steamed pork head. Uh well, you know, you're missing out then. Really. It's it's glorious, Andre, really. It's glorious. Okay, listen, Andre. Good job, Andre. Andre, you don't have to listen to this guy. All right. I I I don't get that. I really don't. I Oh my god. For me there's a cool. there's a little bit of spice. Uh which is funny because Jesus. this is there's more spice in this than there was in the Carolina Reaper. Um <sighs> Uh, the, the smoke smells good coming Ugh. off. Yeah, what? smells good. And oh, my it, uh, God. No, it tastes good. I like it. It tastes Oh, good. Jesus. 
It's very heavy in tobacco for me. Oh. Well, it's, it's that bad, huh? It's not. It's not good. Reminds me of that damn Kane Lancero. <laughs> oh no! Don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> this is you, awful. You know that's not true. This is awful. All right. Well, I mean, on with the show, I guess. You know. Okay. What? What? In sunny Florida, what's the temp right now? Uh, I think it's about eighty. Okay. But it's not sunny. It's nine thirty at night. Sure, okay, sure. So, 80 degrees, humidity is probably pretty high, 90%. Uh, no, 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 humidity's down. Let me let me check, since you're so goddamn interested in the weather. It's like a well, I want, I want to... Regular Fritz ha- Coleman over here. Okay, you know what? I want us to have a, a barometer for... There's the difference, so people know what the difference is. I didn't want to say anything. I don't want to be the first one to say, but... Um, this podcast sucks. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to say anything, but I really do. I really do believe this podcast sucks. I just, I just want to point out that you're part of this podcast. Oh no, that's 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 an indictment on me as much as it is you. Maybe a little <laughs> bit more you with your current setup. I can see you by camera, and maybe a little bit more you with your with your big mic boom. Yeah, maybe you. So it is um, seventy eight degrees. Feels like 81, humidity 83%. Alright, so in stark contrast to your beautiful warm weather. It's tropical, at baby. 9:30 tropical. at night. I'm uh, sitting at, uh, feels like 34 degrees right now. It's good, it's nice. It's brisk. Well, it's good because it probably killed all of the uh, mosquitoes off out here. Oh, yeah, no, that's pretty brisk. Uh, you know. A little warm out here. I mean, it's not hot, but it's just, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's November. He expected it to be a little, a little cooler maybe in November, but, uh, such Does as it life. typically get cooler? I mean, like, what's the normal November weather for Orlando? Um, no, it's, this is normal. This is normal. So just, so just moist. Uh, it's always a little bit moist, baby. Anytime I'm around, <laughs> you know, it's always a, let's keep it moist. Um, but you know, I'll tell you, looking at the forecast, God, this po- podcast sucks. These people that are listening to this are going to be like, I don't care what the weather is. Um, but you know, it's, it's our podcast. Oh, they so care. They can pound sand. They, they um, care. Friday, the low is 46 here. So, wow. Yep, I will so, not be here to enjoy it, though. So here's a question. Let's talk about this, because this is something that I'm sure everybody has to deal with in various parts of the country, right? So say, really probably doesn't matter where you live, but, you know, say you live in a place like Orlando where it's generally pretty... Uh, okay. jeez. <laughs> not good. Oh, not good. man. All right, let me finish this thought here, coffee. Uh so you live in a, a place like Orlando where it's generally warm and sunny. What happens when it drops to like 50 degrees, 60 degrees in Orlando? Oh my God. They lose their minds. The locals go insane. Uh, if it, so on Friday morning, Thursday the low is supposed to be 49 as well. So Friday morning, um, when people get up to go to work, 
Uh, it will be, you know, 50 probably. Um, and you will see puffy coats. You will see Ugg boots with fur. You will see gloves. People maybe have mittens on. So I know that's a personal Dirty Larry favorite, the mittens. Um, <laughs> Damn straight. Wool hats. Um, the heaters will be going in everybody's car. You will see smoke coming from fireplaces. It there are fireplaces in Orlando? Yes, sir. Um, that's interesting. People will lose their mind. My first year here, first winter after we moved here, um, we were expecting a little cold front. And it said, uh, turn on the TV, wake up for work. I don't know, six in the morning. Turn on the TV, catch a little news. They did a breaking news alert that the temperature was 35 degrees. And uh, you needed to make sure they did a winter weather like breaking news make sure you wear your scarf hat and gloves when you leave the house because it's almost freezing outside see and out of my my point there was i imagine people all over the country deal with that right because like it doesn't matter where you live you could live in and i've heard of it and i mean obviously i'm from nebraska um and my family lives there and everything but even they say it. it in a place like Nebraska where it snows every winter, always snows. And as soon as the first snowflake starts coming down off the out of the sky, people start driving like ridiculously crazy. People are swerving everywhere and getting in accidents. And it's like it doesn't matter where you are, right? Like, but it seems more so ridiculous that you live in a place like Orlando, and it still is like that. People freak out when the temperature just drops a tiny bit. Yeah. No, that's true. And you know what's funny is even in Alaska, um, when I was been up in Fairbanks on travel, I'll often be up there two years in a row. I've been up there for the first snowfall of the season. And our hosts tell us, hey, um, be careful driving around on the highway. It's the first snowfall. You know, people are going to drive crazy. And sure enough... You know, the morning after the first snow, there are multiple cars spun out off the side of the road. It's Alaska. How do you not know how to drive in the snow? Yeah, and I, and I think that's... And I, I've not been in San Antonio long enough to, to deal with it. I have been here when it's in its rainy season. Um, it's been raining a ton here, and people do drive like idiots still, and I don't... I hear it rains a lot here, so I don't understand how people don't know how to drive in the rain, but... They don't, they don't know how to drive in the rain here either, and it rains daily in the summer. So, the weather sucks, <laughs> alright? We're not talking about the weather anymore, alright? Yeah, it sucks as bad as this podcast. Okay, you know, you're not going to get anybody to listen to this if you keep saying how bad it sucks. We could improve it. You know what else sucks? This cigar. Wow. Okay, see, that's... I I don't get that. It doesn't... I don't think it's bad at all. I think it's good. Well, I mean, you're entitled to make your own mistakes. Oh, well, okay, what's wrong with it? Other than what you... Has it changed at all for you, or is it this exact same thing? death. 
It tastes like it tastes like Venton, California. It's Vernon. Vernon, Vernon California. California. Sorry. And it could be Venton. It could be Venton. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just not good. It's got a sour, bitter, rotten flavors. See, I get, I get like, I'm getting that heavy tobacco, but I'm also getting like a little nutty, a little bit of nutty oh, in there, a little, little bit of, a little bit of hay. It's good. I think it's good. There's a little spice on my throat. That's nice. That's a, to me, that's like perfect Nicaraguan cigar. Well, I mean, and okay. And they remade these, right? They remade these. These are... I remember back when... God, how long ago was that? Three years? Four years ago? When when me and uh, Kelsey, my wife, uh, came down to Orlando to visit you and your wife. You just used her real name. That was a mistake. Nah, that's all right. <laughs> all right. But when we came down there and we went to... Uh, Corona Sand Lake, I believe. Uh, that was the first time we had seen the Viaje Chicharrones and the Jalapeno. And we picked up a bunch of them. And I remember I smoked those Chicharrones as soon as we got back home. And I really enjoyed them. I thought they were good. Um, but then they kind of disappeared, like much of Viaje cigars do, right? Because they're. I feel like they're all very limited edition. They're just quick. Like they make them and then that's it. And then you don't see them for a while. And I think, but I think they started making the chicharrones again. Well, that's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that well, bad. I'm, it's not I'm that not bad. Enjoying it, so, um, well, I'm sorry. No, you're more than welcome to go get yeah, another I, cigar. Well, you know me, I don't have a lot of cigars. Um, and I'll, okay. I'll yeah. suffer for my craft here, like a like a true yeah, artist. Will you? Will you? Is this your craft? It's my craft. You've been saying how much this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll just <laughs> no. I mean, it's not been great so far, but I think we're getting better, right? I mean, I think I think that's just the way these things go. Well, I think half the battle was getting better equipment. You know. Like this big boom arm that I have outside connected to a lawn yeah. chair. <laughs> yeah, it looks like I'm podcasting with Casey Kasem. <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk about another cigar thing. Uh, I only thought about this because... Nice segue. <laughs> thank you. I, I saw uh, Herrera Esteli, which are one of our favorite brands, I think. Um, you, te- you well, don't, yeah, no, well, no, I finish your story and I'll have commentary. Okay. Yeah, I was please. gonna say the, the new Herrera Esteli Brazilian Maduro, um, and I think there's a new Miami coming out, which is why I think where my story's going with this. Um, but uh, the, they are soft launching in Arizona, uh, this week. And I thought about that because this morning you texted me and you were very amped up and told me that you could get a box of Miami. That's all he said. Get a box of Miami for $30. Yep. And so my initial thought Mind was... You, Herrera is uh, one of his favorite brands. Just, just putting that out there. One of his favorite brands. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
And so my first thought went to Tatawahe, Miami, because Tatawahe is probably more of a favorite brand than Herrera is. Um, so, you know, I was pretty excited. And I was a little... I probably should have known, because Erica Burner, you do not like Tatawahe not, cigars. Not, not all of them. Not many of them. So there's a few that are impeccable, but many of them I don't care for. You like the well, monsters. I like the monsters, right. and I like the... Um, the Baiguan Petit Lancero that's available at uh, Drapers in Washington D.C. Okay, so yeah. you like a few, but I, uh, but I should have known with as as much as you dog Tatoaje, that when you said you can get a box of Miami's for thirty dollars, it was not Tatoaje's. Um, where did you find that deal, by the way? Where did you hear oh, about that? I have that? sources. I have sources. Okay, well, are you going to let anybody know your sources? (laughs) (laughs) It was Facebook. But, so, no, so that was a good deal, and I'm glad that I was able to get in on that deal. I I just want to bounce back to the fact that I don't, that I dislike Tatuaje, and and say that there's a valid reason why I'm not a fan of Tatuaje and their leadership. Okay, so it's not so much their I mean, cigars. I don't really what you're dig a lot of their cigars, but the whole brand and the whole leadership, um, I just, I can't really get behind customer service like that. I I can so, understand so based on what I've heard. a couple years ago, to tell the story, a couple years ago, um, I'm able to locate a Jekyll dress box at uh, one of my local cigar shops, and knowing that uh, Dirty Larry is quite the fan of the tat. Um, I acquired it, knowing that if he didn't want it, uh, I'd be able to flip it and, and get rid of it for what I paid for it. Um, or keep it. But either way, so I, I bought it. And uh, I get home, and I look online, and there's a Tatuaje event north north of Miami. Like the next Thursday. And I thought, well, this is an opportunity to do something really nice for my buddy. Um, I'm going to drive the three and a half hours down I-95 and the Turnpike down to Miami. And I'm going to get old Pete Johnson himself to sign the dress box. But, you know, I want to make sure that this is going to go off because it's a long drive and, you know. So sure. I, I think sure. I talked to somebody uh, from from Tatuaje, and I said, hey, "This is my plan," and and I was told. Now, mind you, I know this is erroneous because I've seen that this is false, but I am told, right, right. Oh, that won't happen. Pete doesn't sign boxes, and I just think, you know, this is not not the way to build. To build a brand, it's not a way to build a, a cult following. Flip it on its head, and annually I go to at least one Drew Estate event with Jonathan Drew here in Orlando, um, and you know you, you know this from from Rocky Mountain Cigar Fest. He will literally stand yeah. there until his people drag him away because he's about to pass out signing yeah. A's to give away to people, and this. Uh, schlub that worked for Tatuaje, you know, tells me, oh no, Pete doesn't sign sign cigar boxes. 
just really a turn off to the whole brand. Right, and then you know after the fact, after you had told me that, and it was all said and done, we saw pictures on Facebook of uh, on on the various cigar groups on Facebook of people who had dress boxes, or even people that had non-dress boxes. They were even just regular monster boxes, or even I might have even seen just a regular uh, release yeah. Yeah, from Tatuaje that Pete Johnson yeah, had yeah. signed. Yeah. And so, you know, that that begs the question, was this Tatuaje rep just an asshole or did something change? But I think kind of what you touched on is pretty good because when you look at the cigar, I guess, culture as a whole and you look at these manufacturers and the people that are running these companies, I would say that by and large... A majority of them are very, very open and cool about meeting fans, talking with fans, signing stuff, taking pictures. Like, and and Jonathan Drew is, to me, is the quintessential person for that. Like, if anybody asks, he's the one I say. Like, Jonathan Drew is the most badass cigar company owner because of what he does. Right, but with I mean fans. even. The Eric Espinosas of the world, the the Robert Caldwells of the world. I mean, this is two guys that have been inside um, Robert Caldwell's shop in in Little Haiti yeah. in Miami, um, yeah. drinking coffee and smoking cigars with with Caldwell because we said, you know, two guys who are nobody said, "Hey, I'm going to be in Miami. Do you have any kind of shop or anything we can go see?" And he's like. Come on by my my place, and I'll take care of you. And he made us coffee, and well, he had coffee made for us, um, provided he us did. with cigars. He, he gave us some of his really unreleased cigars. He gave us some of his other favorites from other brands. I mean, he sat with us for a solid three or four hours um, yeah, of his day yeah. and just, and just talked, talked, just you just know, shot talked shit about, with us. Um, some some boxing issues in the in his cigar world talked about Camacho a little bit talked about some of the other brands a little bit what he likes what he doesn't like where the industry's going and then you know to say to say to somebody who represents a brand in their PR department um, hey I'm really excited I was able to acquire one of these ultra rare boxes of cigars for my for my super buddy rare. Who's super fan of the brand um, and I'm gonna take the I'm gonna make the effort to drive three and a half hours to get the guy to sign it and I'm told no don't bother because he won't do it I, I mean come on you know I, I've I've been to parties uh, after parties after events with Eric Espinosa and uh, it, you know the guy couldn't be more friendly and welcoming. Uh, I was at a, an after party after a cigar fest in South Florida, and me and me and uh, another buddy we were sitting there, and he kind of he kind of looked at maybe we were maybe a little out of our element or maybe a little you know maybe a little just kind of sitting on the back, just kind of looking trying to get comfortable, and he comes over and sits with us and buys us a drink to make us more comfortable. I mean that's what I expect out of cigar people, and I just didn't get it from from right. Tatuaje. So I got a little 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 chap, you know. Yeah, and, and I think that's uh, I think that's what makes the cigar 
culture uh, and a lot of the people that we've met in our several years of doing tap that ash stuff or just personal stuff when it comes to cigar culture i mean everybody has just been so inviting everybody is it's very it's about camaraderie right like people are are very cool to sit down and smoke a cigar with you or recommend something give you sticks for nothing i mean people are just so cool and to have a company where the figurehead of that company is essentially at least at that point outright refusing to sign a box um it it does seem a little people he's complicit in his people or his people right i mean i i wasn't talking to pete johnson himself and maybe the man is really nice i don't know um you know the other thing is he's a big wine drinker and you know i don't know if you can trust people that drink fermented grapes doesn't your wife drink wine yeah it's true yeah, that's true. <laughs> Let me think about that for a little bit. Well, you know, I, I think the end-all conversation here and the moral of that story is is if Pete, if you're listening to this, which I guarantee you're that's not. That's fair. If you are, if you are, tweet at us or something and tell us you're not all that bad of a guy. But that being said, I, I like Tatooine oh, cigars. Oh, he's a tat whore. Um, I'm a tad whore. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm a tad whore. Um, and, I, and I like viajes, and I've heard that Andre is not really the most welcoming of people either. Uh, and I don't know. I, I don't, I've never met either of them, so I have no clue. It's all hearsay. But, uh, you know, I know I've met the people that I've met and the people who are welcoming and uh, inviting and uh, very cool. Uh, and, and I would expect most people to be like that. I really would expect everybody to be like that if you're going to be in this culture. But, um, I mean, I guess you can't really expect everybody. No, that's true. I mean, you know. (laughs) All right, so what do we got next? What do you got for me? Let's talk well, you know, it's uh, it's uh, it's Tuesday, so it's um, college football playoff rankings release. Is this the second, the second iteration now? I believe it's the second iteration of the sham of a college football playoff. <laughs> okay, who's who's in the top four? Well, I mean, Jesus, you can get number one. Not, not even going to be a question. Who's okay. number one? So it's Alabama. Okay. Um, number two, number two, Clemson. Clemson is it two? Three. Number three. Uh, that's not Notre Dame, is it? It's Notre Dame at number three. Okay, and then four is going to be. I, I have no. It's not Ohio State. No, but it's another uh, Big Ten. Big Ten is it Michigan? It's Michigan. Okay. So if your playoffs were to happen right now, that those would be your four playoff teams. Um, and, you know, honestly, I, I don't know. I mean, Michigan is worthy, right? Number five is Georgia. Number six is Oklahoma. And that kind of rounds out the teams that really have a realistic shot at getting in. Seven is LSU, and they're 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 uh, eight and two. So I mean, they're not going anywhere. Sure. Uh, Washington State nine and one at number eight. If they win out and win the pack, um, maybe you know if uh, Ohio State beats Michigan, maybe Notre Dame loses. Um, 
you could see maybe Washington State's getting in, but they're a nothing team. And then I start looking down the uh, start looking down the rankings, and oh my God, what is this? Uh, an undefeated team? Surely that must be a mistake. They're <laughs> all the way down at number eleven. That, that UCF, can't be right? UCF. UCF is yeah. ranked eleventh. Uh, so it's just I don't know. Those are their games. That's the team they've got. And and everybody says they don't play anybody. Okay, Alabama doesn't play anybody either, pal. All right, they played LSU, um, but I mean they're, they're getting ready to play a pretty. They're getting ready to get into their tough stretch. But so is UCF is getting ready to get into their tough stretch, right? Of games, um, they've got a tough Cincinnati game this weekend. Uh, it's going to be the game of the week, and uh, and then they got USF, and then they got to play a conference championship. Unlike Notre Dame, who's going to take that week off. Um, well, so it just seems to be fair, Notre Dame can't play a conference championship. Well, from their for their own doing, they can't. Right? I sure. mean, I guess that's fair. It's self inflicted. Right. Um, it is. I just think that you know, if you look at the other undefeated teams, and we'll just go Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and then the fourth undefeated team being UCF, um, and you would say right off the top that. The first three are worthy of being in, and, and UCF is not. At least that's what I get from most of the talking heads, that they haven't played anybody, that they haven't had any tough games and this and that. Here's the thing. Their resources are lower. Right. right? They're, they they're the group same, of five. They're not power five. Right. They don't have the same resources that an Alabama, Clemson, and Notre Dame have. And if you think that um, Josh Heupel walking into some kid's living room to recruit him is the same as... Dabo or Saban walking in, or even that ass clown Brian Kelly walking into someone's living room to recruit him. There's no way that that Josh Heupel has the same impact. Right. So you're getting. I don't want to say a lesser player, but you you have less resources. Sure. And, and I just think we should take that into account when we're discussing whether or not they're worthy of being in the college football playoff. Well, that's the fundamental problem right right now with the playoff. You look at last season where UCF went completely undefeated. I mean, a complete undefeated season. They beat Auburn in the Peach Bowl. So you're looking at a team that can not only sweep group of five, but Auburn was not a pushover last season. Uh, I mean, they weren't amazing, but... No, but they're from that that famed right. and vaunted SEC. Right. If the SEC is all that, then they should have smashed the yeah. the the, gold, the Knights from from UCF. Right? Yeah, and they didn't. So, at what point does the committee start thinking about these minute details like this, where UCF, even though they haven't played the same quote unquote caliber of people that Alabama has, you got to figure they're in group of five for a reason, right? So in group of five, who are the caliber, like if you're comparing tit for tat, like who's your Alabama in the group of five? Right now it would be UCF, right? So yeah, and I think there's a couple others that would. Memphis, Memphis is good. Memphis and South Florida up until South Florida? a week ago was was very good. So you've got uh, a these weeks people. Ago. You've got these teams that could really, if you line them up, they're the equivalent of what there is in the Power Five in the top four, say. And that it gets overlooked. 
and I'm not a UCF fan, right? Like, I loved seeing them do what they did last year, and uh, God bless them. I'm glad they let Scott Frost go. Uh, but it's just, it, it seems bizarre to me that they don't even get a chance. They don't even get a chance to try and play in the playoffs. Right. At least give them an opportunity to get smashed. If if there's such a pushover bullshit school, uh, play them. Wouldn't that be an easy out for, for the for the number one team to go play yeah. number four yeah. should be an easy out for, for them. I, I don't know why you wouldn't play them. It almost seems like people are scared. If 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 Alabama will play, um, what is that, that school they play every week before the Iron Bowl? Um, Clemson plays schools like the Citadel, and uh, Alabama plays another Alabama-based school um, the week before the Iron Bowl every year. His name escapes me. But, you know, if you're willing to play those crappy teams, you should have no problem strapping it up against the UCFs of the world or whoever else is coming out of the G5, right? So I think if I was to revamp the the playoffs, it would look... um, I think I'd probably go with an eight-team playoff. Yep, Yep. I'm good with the eight-team. And I think I'm getting the top five power conference champions are getting auto berths. Yep. Um, The best group of five school, right? The best group of five school. And then two at-large, and maybe that at-large is another group of five, but likely it's a couple more power fives. But at least you're saying to the group of five teams, hey, win and you're in. Right. Because at this point, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you might absolutely get plowed during your playoff game. But at least if you win and you're in. I mean, if these guys go undefeated all year, there'll be two seasons without a loss and no opportunity to play for a championship. Right. What is that about? This is not... Or break them off and do a group of five playoff. Yeah. I'd watch that. Two national championship games. Hell yeah. I'd watch that. Have a national championship game. You know, the, for the group of five, the day before the Power Five, Natty, I would be all over that. Yeah, yeah, and and you, and I know right now the current playoff situation. I think they're locked in for several more years at the four team. Correct? I mean, it's like some something like twenty, twenty two or twenty twenty four. I think it's a couple more years. It may be less than twenty, maybe twenty one, maybe. But yeah, I know they're they're a bit locked in there. You know. Um, just looking at, at the week 11, and it's a week old, but the week 11 bowl projections, um, somebody has UCF playing LSU in the Peach Bowl. I mean, that, you know, okay, that's that's a nice bowl game, Peach Bowl. It's yeah, good. but they it's did it last to, year. Close to home, so, you know, that's They did nice. it last year, though. I agree. Um, and I'm trying to find... Where the other person has, and then the other person uh, has them playing Penn State in the Fiesta Bowl. Okay, that'd which, be a little bit, which would be good. Um, I don't know. I just think about you, you tell your kids as a coach, you got to win those games. If you win, then good things will happen for you. You control your own destiny, and all this crap. Um, and obviously it's not true. If you go play for Alabama, you don't even have to win all your games and you get in. Right. Right? You don't even have to be a conference champion and you get in. Um, which is a little ridiculous, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a sham of a playoff system. I think it's it's on the right, it's, it's a step in the right direction. But, you know, 
it's it's just not right yet. And everyone's gonna be someone's gonna be left out every year. Sure. Right. If you do eight, someone's gonna be mad. Number nine is gonna say, "Why didn't I get in? I'm better than number eight. You do sixteen teams, then number seventeen is gonna say, "Why didn't I get in? I'm better than sixteen. Uh, but geez, man, we've got a team that hasn't lost in two years, and they're not getting any respect. Right. And I know I've seen a lot of uh, argument for an NFL-style playoff, and I don't know how well that would work. Um, Certainly not. uh, I mean, there are a lot more teams in college football than there are in the NFL, Um, and I think that's probably why the NFL-style playoff works, where if you you lose a couple games, it doesn't mean you're not going to go to the Super Bowl. It just means you have to work harder to get there. And I would hope... I don't... Again, I don't know that that is the... Uh, answer for the college football playoff, but I would hope that as the time grows closer, that they're going to be up on this four-team playoff thing. That they start, that they're looking at it. I mean, I hope they have a plan in place that they can extend it because it needs to be extended. I don't think anybody who watches college football and who enjoys college football thinks that it should stay at a four-team playoff. Well, well, I've not heard and, one person. And, and so I can appreciate the argument for a six-team playoff, an eight-team playoff, like we were just talking about, it does start to devalue the regular season uh, a little bit. But you're still not going to have a lot of two-loss teams that make it into to an eight-team playoff, right? You're still right. going to have to win 11, 10, 11 games a year to, to get in. Um, and that's really... You know what it's about. The other thing that holds uh, UCF and and others like it back um, are, are these absurdly long waits to play games. So on the news yesterday was I believe it was Texas and Georgia have signed up to play a home and home. Yeah, yeah, uh, I saw that. It's, it's not till like 2028. Right. Oh, Texas and Georgia could hit hit the crapper and be on the way back up by then or they could be in the crapper completely or they could be great by then how is a UCF supposed to know who's going to be good in order to get that strength of schedule up in their out of conference games when you have to plan a decade in advance before you can play anybody right you know they could go schedule Alabama right now which we know that won't happen because Alabama is not going to schedule anybody to play outside of the state of Alabama in right. a true road game. Right. Um, but they could go schedule Alabama right now. We don't know in 10 years if they're going to be any good. They could be, you know, the Nebraska or the USC of the NCAA football in 10 years. Nick Saban's not getting any younger. Right? So just, I, I think that it's, it's set, they're set up to fail. They're set up to be uh, a second tier and second class. And if you're going to make them second tier, then give them their own damn playoff. Right, right. Have a second tier playoff and have a second tier national championship. I'm with you on that. Um, speaking of Nebraska and USC, because if anybody who uh, has followed Tap That Ash a little bit would know that uh, those are kind of our teams, right? Um, oh, what was us? What was us? Uh, how do you see USC finishing out this season? Um, you know, in all honesty, I think, um, it's been a, it's a tough year. It's a tough year. I think they've got, um, a couple games left, right? They got to go 
play Crosstown Rival, UCLA, and then um, Notre Dame. So I think they can beat UCLA. I don't know that they will, but I think they've got the raw talent to beat a Chip Kelly-led UCLA this year. Whether that's true next year, I don't know, but um, I think Chip's on the on the rise at UCLA, as much as that pains me to say. Um, and then that Notre Dame game, I think that sounds like that's going to be an 8 o'clock kickoff, 8, eight Eastern time kickoff. Um, that's a recipe for an ugly game. Sure. Because they always play each other tough, no matter what the the schedule says and what, what the wins and losses say. But I think they probably split the next two games. They probably beat UCLA, and then they, they probably lose to Notre Dame. And then, I don't know, they limp into a bowl game. Yeah. Um, I, I guess. I, I guess they get into a, a bowl game. Um yeah, I mean it's not not looking not looking wonderful for old Clay Helton. What, what are you what are you thinking about Nebraska? Uh, I mean, just seeing the way they've played this last few weeks. I mean they've they were off to a really really rough start. Um, I mean first time that the program's ever gone zero and six uh, starting. I mean it's it's just. It, it didn't look good, and then they started really. I think they got into their groove, and it was a five-point game against Ohio State that really Nebraska could have won. Um, that I think they just they just couldn't pull it together. But then you look at the the two games on either side where they've won by 50 points, or they've had 50 points up on on these other teams. And um, I mean, I think they go into Michigan State next week, and I or this upcoming week, and I think they win. I I I think it'll be That's a bold. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, – I, I really do think they have what it takes to beat Michigan State, and I think they will. And then I think they go into Iowa, and I think it'll uh, – I, I think they can beat Iowa too. I don't know if they will, but I think they can. Um, but it, it'll be a dogfight, at, at least at the very least against Iowa. Yeah. You know, I was just um, kind of thinking and looking at the – um, kind of the, the, the line. And we're, USC is a favorite against UCLA, but, you know, five and five, uh, you got to win one of those two games to even yeah. get bowl eligible. And what a sad state of affairs um, with the raw talent that you can get recruiting at a place like USC. Uh, amazing raw talent comes out of that area. Um, one of, you know, a couple areas of the country that just cranks out football talent. And the best you can do is you have to beat the Bruins in order to get uh, into a bowl game. I mean, we should be in contention for Rose Bowls, not, uh, you know, the Sun Bowl in El Paso. Right, so right. It's just uh, it's a sad state of affairs. about this cigar right now because you ha- i haven't heard you complaining about it i haven't heard you coughing or gagging i, I suffer i suffer in silence so I you suffer still in think silence. it's not good you're, you're not enjoying it it's gotten a little bit better but no i I'm, i would not buy another one see i feel like this has been a pretty 
damn consistent. I mean, I guess technically it's been consistent for you too, if you feel like it sucks. Yeah, consistently crappy. But mine really hasn't changed. The, the flavor hasn't changed. It's still... God. It's still very... It's strong. It's a strong Ugh. cigar, and I wonder if maybe that... if you, I know you said at the start of the segment here, at the start of this whole podcast, that it was... They were rolled on the same virginal thighs. Same seeds, but I, I just... It's, it could still be the case, right? Like, there, there's no telling if one cigar rolled on the same time is going to be different. Because they probably could be, and they probably are. But I still think that yours has developed a little bit more, and it's been sitting around a lot more, a lot longer than this one. And so I think maybe the strength of your cigar is maybe a little overpowering. Um, I, yeah, it, it could be. I mean, I'm not... I don't. I don't like the. It's got a smell. It smells rotten. It smells like vent, vent in California. Um, <laughs> you know. Uh, shout out to all the the Ventonites. Hey, Ventons. Um, they're not. They're not no. listening to this. No, they're too busy. They're um, too busy skinning pork heads and having sex with their sisters. Was, okay. Well, it's not. It's not uh, Arkansas. It's oh, LA. Okay. Well. So, you know, but um, it's just, it smells rotten. It tastes rotten. It smells rotten. It's just uh, a consistently crappy cigar. But, you know, I'm glad you're enjoying yours. And certainly just because I don't like it doesn't mean um, that it sucks. It just sucks H- for have me. Have you tried purging it? Uh, no, let's you should try world, purging though. it. Yeah, what could happen? It could be the best cigar in the world after purging it. Maybe you should have purged it before. That's the real... The real kicker. Ever had to purge a cigar before? I never have. Uh, before like before what? you start smoking it, like you light it up before you start puffing on it and taking draws. You purge it before. I'm I'm, I'm sure that's a thing. I'm sure people do it. I don't know that anybody's ever done that. Huh? It's the tap that ash special, baby. Next time you have a cigar that you've been sitting around for a while and you purge it before you start smoking it? I don't know. I mean, so that cleaned it up a little bit, but um, still not. Still not great. But, um, hey, you know what I did do uh, a couple days ago that showed up? I ordered some stuff and one of the items showed up uh, Sunday. Extremely excited about my new purchase. Um, can I can I make a it, guess? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go on a limb and say that you just got a huge box of grinds. I got, Did you? I got a four-pack of grinds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got a four-pack of grinds. Uh, we're grinding over here, baby. Where'd you, you know buy it from? Grinding it up. Amazon. How much was it? Uh, $25 ah. for a four-pack. No, I'm sorry. It was $19.99 okay. for a four-pack. Uh, for $19.99, I'll try it. So it was, I think, uh, vanilla, uh, mocha, caramel, and uh, wintergreen. I swear to God, we are not sponsored by Grind. I swear. <laughs> it sounds like it because we've talked about it so much in these two podcasts that we've had. In every podcast oh, we've we're, done. Hey, we're, we're grinding, baby. We are grinding. Every podcast we have done for Tap That Ash, we've talked about Grind. And I realize it's only two of them, but it's still 100%. And I, I get more enjoyment talking about grinds than I do this crappy oh, wow. cigar. Okay, well, 
We need to hit up Grind. So we need to hit up some Grinds, and we need to see if they're willing to sponsor the Tap That Ash podcast. We should. We should send them a note. Be like, I, I love your product. You want to? I mean, I, and by sponsor, I just mean send me a, a couple of them. You know? Well, that's that's <laughs> what cheap. it is, right? I mean, like. Yeah, we'll 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 pimp your your product, right? Like, well, but but see, I don't know that I want to pimp anyone's product. I like to, I like to profess my love of whatever product free from anyone thinking that I'm a corporate. No, I know, but you're an idiot because you could get paid. You can get paid, and not really paid, right? Like, because Grinds isn't going to pay us forty dollars a podcast to to beef their shit. All we're gonna say is, yo, just hook us up with some grinds. Maybe we even you give us some and we give them out to a listener if they existed. You know what I'm saying? Well yeah, you gotta get a listener first. But no, I'm I'm excited about the excited about the grind. But I don't wanna listen. I don't wanna take over the podcast. Tap, uh, I got a little tap that grind. I got a little preachy. I got a little preachy about the college football playoff in the last, you know, the last little segment and I don't I don't wanna like be accused of turning this into my own soapbox for uh, potentially underdeserving college football teams and pouches of coffee grounds, potentially. right? Potent- potentially, I don't want to be accused of that, right? I don't need any of that, so I don't want to hijack the segment. I just wanted to say, go grinds. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> we're gonna do it. I'm, we're gonna contact them. You guys will know because we will give away grinds. I guarantee it. As soon as we give away grinds, oh. you're gonna know. I think the title of this podcast, this episode, should be "We Still Grinding." Um, we can talk about that. We can talk about that. Oh, we'll I talk, think we about, talk it. about that. Oh, we grinding, baby. Okay, so entertainment-wise, I know everybody. So, so nothing to do with this podcast. Nothing, well, that's not true. That's not true. Because <laughs> this is probably not entertaining. To well, anybody, that's true. But you yeah, and it's me. probably true. Entertainment-wise, there are uh, maybe not right now. But in this last few years, there have been a lot of good shows on TV. A lot of good shows. Um, right now... There have been a few good shows. Right now, well, I'd say a lot. Uh, depending on... Well, I know, you did yeah, say a lot. I, d- I know depending on what you consider a TV show, right? Like, do you consider Netflix original shows to be TV shows? Yeah. Okay, so then I would maintain and say there have been a lot of good TV shows. Um... I think probably most everybody at this point is on the Game of Thrones bandwagon uh, and really waiting to see. They, you know, they announced today that the uh, final season is going to air in April of 2019, so that'll be a huge uh, talking point when the time comes if Aragon Burner ever catches up on Game of Thrones. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's a good one. And they're going to have some spinoffs uh, set several thousand years, I guess, uh, b- before the events of Game of Thrones. Eventually, um, uh, another show that has recently come back onto the radar is The Walking Dead. Uh, I know you don't watch that arrogant burner, but uh, for anybody that has, I think everybody knows the uh, the last few seasons have been kind of crappy. Uh, and it, the, 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 <laughs> a true entertainment. The writing has been crappy, uh, and they started coming back. I think it's coming back now. And uh, have you watched? You watch Breaking Bad, right? You've seen Breaking Bad. Yeah, we binged it. So, so have you watched any of Better Call Saul? No. Okay, so do you want to? That's the question. No, I'm anti Better Call. No, Saul. you're not. 
Why are you anti Better Call Saul? Uh, I didn't really like his character in Breaking what? Bad. What? No, I didn't. I didn't really find it to be all that entertaining. Um, didn't really find it to be all that interesting. Yeah, no. you gotta give it a try. I'll, I'll a you gotta pass. give it a try. Well, weren't you the I mean, same way about Breaking Bad? Yeah, you didn't want to yeah, watch Breaking Bad either. I think you should give Better Call Saul a try. I don't. I, I, I think I'll pass, but I, I get your point. Now, Better Call Saul is on the same level as Breaking Bad. Yeah, I just. Uh, but it's not just. A, know, it's just... not just about Saul. I mean, it's it's just like Breaking Bad, right? Like, yeah, it was about Walt. But there were other characters, and you saw their stories as well. And that's how Better Call Saul is. It's not just Saul. You're seeing a, just a huge amount of characters, and I think that's what makes the show. That it's not just about him. Is it still? Is it still shot in in Albuquerque? Because yeah. that's another reason I don't like it. What do you got against Albuquerque? Nothing. I love Albuquerque. It makes me sad. I miss the green chili. That is something that. Yeah. No. If, if you've ever had, like, hatch green chili from New Mexico, you never can go yeah, back, no. man. You never go back from that. Nope. One, nope. Once you go green, go you never, you're never again seen. You never go to a different kind of green chili, that's for well, sure. That's true. Yeah. Um, no, but, I mean, lots of good TV. You know, Game of Thrones. Um, you know, I, I'm a season behind, so don't be a dick. Um, but it's just, it's tremendous TV, and you know if you want to talk about entertaining storylines, almost all of them I've enjoyed. All the little storylines throughout throughout the, the seasons, some of which I enjoy less, um, and don't really see the point to. But the Dorn, I mean, good engaging. The Dorn storyline is that what you're talking about? Um, Br- uh, Bran, his storyline. Oh, his storyline's great. With the crow? Yeah, he's great. I'm not a fan. Um, and and the Dorn, yeah, I didn't really get the, no. the, the need for the Dorn storyline. I think it was just filler. Yeah, it was. But, so I will say that I don't know that there has been a TV show with as much, with, with the entertainment value as high as it is and the TNA value as high as right. it is. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, when that chick comes out of the uh, out of the fire, bro. Oh yeah, oh yeah, bro. But they grind me up. You know they, what I'm saying? They did though. Like between the first season, it's like every single season has been less less TNA treatment. You know what I mean? Like yeah, no, that's that's probably fair. I I did notice that the warnings got fewer and fewer. Well, and it, it was my understanding that uh, that. Uh, that a lot of the actresses, like Amelia Clark, came out and said, "Like I'm not going to do nudity, just to do nudity. I I want it to be part of the the story. Like there's got to be a reason for it, which I can see. She probably wants to get no, paid more. See. She wants to get paid more. Well, and and it was gratuitous in a lot of cases where it yielded nothing to the storyline. Now, when she comes out of the fire, it makes sense that she's naked right because she was in a fire, right. but." The random little bits where they're just walking around naked with their random little bits hanging out, uh, oftentimes it makes no sense. So I can see why they would kind of feel that way or go that way. Um, I'll be curious to see if the the spinoff show, the prequel, I guess, quote-unquote, has that same level 
of nudity and sexual content, I guess. Or will it not have to because they're not trying to grab people anymore? Right? I mean, they've got they've got the people hooked, so to speak. They don't need to to necessarily do that. Um, I don't know. I, I've enjoyed Game of Thrones. I've enjoyed a lot of the the, the TV that's kind of been. Um, at the forefront over the last couple of years. Certainly, there's been some good shows. Hey, um, this just popped across my phone. Uh, it is the, you know, in the spirit of the, the holiday season, it's it's your dirty elf name. <laughs> so, like, yours, are, we, are we about to do dirty elf names on the Tap Dash podcast? Yeah, yeah. So, yours is. Um, um, Wait, first of all. Before you, you do the dirty elf name, how how is this being calculated? Uh, last name, month of birth, and day of birth. Okay. All right. You know all that for okay. me? I do. So you are Coxmack the red-assed wiener-whacker. <laughs> okay? <laughs> and uh, I am uh, Muff Dust the foul-mouthed man slammer <laughs> so I mean there, there you have it folks we've really taken this podcast to epic oh my god high levels. oh my god uh, so cocksmack the red assed wiener whacker all right, Cox Mac, what do you got um, for us here? Okay, so this is something we've talked about, uh, you and me, at length uh, a lot. Um, and that's this idea of cigar vacations, cigar retreats, uh, so to speak. Hell yeah. Uh, one of the most known ones I think that anybody in the cigar community knows about is the Drew Estate uh, Cigar Safari, which uh, is always and probably will always be on my list to do. Um, and I know on yours as well. Yeah, I mean, don't say it'll always be on your list, because I hope at some point we can check it off sure, the list. Sure, sure, that'd be nice. Right. I mean, it's not. It's certainly on my agenda to get down to um, Nicaragua um, to, to experience not only what Drew Estate offers, but the local culture yeah. as well. Um, a friend of mine is is currently in in Havana. Oh, really? Yeah, taking a four day trip to uh, to Cuba. Nice. And by all accounts, having the time of his life down there. Not necessarily doing a lot of cigar related stuff because he doesn't smoke, but um, it got just got you know kind of it's it's an interesting thought. Like where would where would you want to go? So kind of take take like the cigar safari part of it out. And if you were to plan a trip to anywhere cigar famous, um, where would you want to go? I, it's a toss-up, man. Like the idea—I mean, I'm all about. Really, ever since we started smoking cigars, it's all been about Nicaraguan cigars. I mean, that's generally what we smoke a lot of. And I feel like so many good cigar companies have factories in Nicaragua. I feel like you could go to Nicaragua for two weeks and you could hit so many cigar factories because a lot of them are just around Esteli, right? So Yeah, I mean, certainly you could, you'd see a lot. You could, you could go, if you take the cigar safari part out of it, you could go to Esteli and you could just hit up 
all these factories. You could see all the stuff. You could meet people. Because I know those guys are down there all the time. Um, like uh, Skip Martin with Romacraft. He's down there all the time. Um, I, I feel like you could just see so much. And then you could get, like you were talking about, get that, embrace that local culture, kind of see what it's all about, um, and, and get, get really uh, familiar with that culture because I think that's probably a big part of of what the Nicaraguan cigar culture is is the local culture um, so yeah if you, if you take out like a structured cigar safari quote unquote out of the books I'm thinking a two week stint in Nicaragua and try and hit everything that you can to see as much as you can but then Cuba yeah, would no, be I, cool I, too I, I, but yeah, no, certainly Cuba would be would be fun. I, I kind of agree uh, with the Nicaragua. I just think there's a lot of a lot you could learn down there. It's a little uh, socially sketchy, or has been this year a little yeah. bit. So that would certainly weigh on my decision to go. But even on a smaller scale, um, Tampa. Okay. You know, Tampa Bay, Florida, right? Ybor City. Um, you could li- you could easily spend a week in Tampa and still not get everywhere you need to be. Miami. I mean, you know, you and I took a trip to Miami a couple years ago, and it wasn't. Um, Miami's not exactly my my cup of tea, but the amount of cigar stuff we were able to do just by walking around. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's a state in the United States that's better for cigars than yeah. Florida. Yeah, agreed. Certainly central through South Florida, right? Tampa, Orlando, down into Miami. Um, but yeah, I mean, t- man, a trip to a trip to Nicaragua would be amazing. I mean, I got to imagine there's a lot of a lot of coffee culture as yeah. well oh, as yeah. cigar culture, and um, certainly I'm I'm loving the 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 style of food. You know, we go to a Colombian bakery quite a bit here and get Colombian food and Cuban food is a lot of down here and Nicaraguan food, Puerto Rican food. It, it kind of all blends different elements together, and I really think it'd be a tremendous trip to go down to. Tanika. And I mean, if you, if you, I mean, if we want to dial it back and say just uh, kind of structured cigar experiences, um, I think what Drew State has done with Cigar Safari, uh, for, from what I've seen, has just been uh, just really kick ass. Um, th- that whole structure of you go down there and you, you start in the fields and they just go through everything. You see what it's like. Um, you know, for a whole week's worth of time, right? Like you've been to the barn smokers where they kind of do a mini version of that, right? Where you start, they show you right. the, the, the plants, you take leaves, they show you the barn, but it's very uh, expedited. Whereas in a cigar safari, you're looking at a week of time being down there where you can spend um, a, a lot of time in the field seeing what they do and a lot of time in the factory seeing them roll cigars, and then you add in that extra component of being able to blend your own cigar and you get those cigars at the end after you, um, you know, you, you, you blend them and they roll them and you, you get to learn how to roll things. You know, I've seen the people who they sit in those, those, uh, tasting rooms and they, they just, I guess like 
whoever's uh, in charge of it, you know, be it Willie or uh, JD, if he's there, they, they walk around and they light these leaves on fire and then you get to smell them and get the aroma and you get to kind of puff on some that they roll very loosely. Mm-hmm. I mean, that experience alone, I would pay, uh, I mean, what it's worth to go to Cigar Safari just to sit down and learn from somebody about blending cigars and being able to do it myself. Uh, sure. You know, there's, and then I think about the original long before Drew Estate did their cigar safari. Um, and I think the original kind of uh, go to a factory and learn about what they're doing is Camp Camacho. So to talk um, about Camp Camacho a bit, because I'm not sure I'm completely, uh, that I completely know that much about Camp Camacho. Yeah, so it, it's it's Camacho's 185,000 square foot facility in, um, I believe it's Honduras. Uh, and basically, it's Camacho overload, like much like a Drew Estate overload would be at, at Cigar Safari. The, the Everything is Camacho cigar-based, and they basically treat you like a member of the family for a week. And it was it was the original, right? Everyone everyone thinks, and rightfully so, because it's the biggest. I think that the Drew Estate one was was the tops, but it really I think Camacho was first with this concept of come to the factory. You can sleep at the factory, you can eat at the factory, and you can watch us do our thing yeah. at the factory, which is pretty damn amazing. No matter which brand it is, no matter where you're going. To get to see these folks with their handcrafted skills, their their handmade cigars, uh, I think it's pretty amazing. You know, and I, I'm a little surprised that with the success um, that these companies have had doing this stuff, right? The the Camp Camacho, the Cigar Safari, that more companies aren't buying into that idea. Because you look at some somebody like Tatuaje. Which has a huge following, um, I would say. Um, uh, why don't and now you could, I guess Pete Johnson attitude of what we perceive Pete Johnson's attitude to be, which probably would not be very welcoming towards having, you know, thirty people, you know, uh, cramping his style in in the factory. But why why don't more cigar companies do this when a I feel like it's got to be somewhat profitable. And B, you connect with the community. You have people fall in love. I mean, I, I would I would bet. I'd be willing to bet that somebody um, who maybe isn't the biggest Drew Estate fan, they smoke a couple of cigars, they like a couple, but they don't really know too much about it. Cigar Safari, hey, I've got several thousand dollars to kill and, and throw down why not just do it for the experience I bet those people fall in love with, with Drew Estate and fall in love with the people who are a part of it yeah certainly even if it's a loss leader right even if they're not necessarily making money on the event itself um, the idea that you are basically indoctrinating fans into your your culture uh, provided you have some culture to indoctrinate them sure. into, is is a tremendous bargaining chip when you're talking about your brand and your value and and all that good stuff. So, yeah, uh, I'm 
surprised that there's not more of them. I wonder if there's not more of them that we don't know about. Right, and and that very well could be the case. Um, kind of like you said, I mean, I think everybody associates that cigar uh, experience with Cigar Safari, and it's because they've done such a good job at marketing it, I think. And you've got people who go to it who are giving them free advertising by posting on, uh, you know, the now... I won't say defunct, but it's not the same. The the cigar subreddit on Reddit, um, and now the new uh, Speakeasy dot uh, club website uh, that a lot of people migrated to. You have so many people that are that are giving them free advertising and and, and pimping this shit out because it's so cool. Um, yeah, I I I, yeah. I just can't. I don't know. Maybe there are more, but. If there are, they don't do a very good job of marketing it as well as Drew Estate does. And so I don't know about them. Uh, I mean, I could Google them. Right. And if I was going to spend a couple thousand dollars, my first stop would be Esteli for Drew Estate Cigar Safari. Kind of in other news, I am done with this cigar. I have given up. Okay. How far did you get into it? Like, how much do you have left? Uh, Two inches. Wow. Left. Okay. I'm giving up. It's so, just bad. Two inches is something you're used to on a fairly regular basis. Hey, we can grind it out, baby. <laughs> Grinds. Grinds. We can grind that thing out for two, two inches. Nah, it's just it's just bad, man. It's just not it's just not good. See, um, I, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree on, on my, at least on mine. So I've got about an inch left. And typically, I feel like when you have a... When you're down to about an inch left on a cigar, that's when it really starts to get... Uh, your flavors kind of get muddled and you kind of get bitter and you get the cigar gets really squishy and soft and that's not the case with this the cigar is still fairly firm it's not getting uh, you know mushy and gross the flavors aren't bitter I did have to relight it um, uh, probably five minutes ago I had to relight it because it was it went out on me Um, but I didn't purge it Uh, I haven't purged it yet and sure. uh, the, the, I think the flavors have been consistent. It's just that 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 pretty heavy tobacco, that light, nice little like light nuttiness to it. The the spice is gone. There was a lot of spice in the first bit. Uh, not not. I don't think I'm getting any spice anymore. Um, but I, I don't know, man. I I I hesitate to say that you have a dud. I see a lot of people say that about cigars, like, well, you had a dud. But it's No, I just think it's not my cup of tea. And that's that is very well yeah. could be the case. Yeah. Um I mean since you enjoyed it so much, I'd I'd be happy to drop this two inch nub in the in the mail for you if you wanted it. Yeah, you got my address. Yeah, I mean I'm just saying, like don't um I don't understand that I I can't imagine why that wouldn't make the cigar better for me that's got your saliva on it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's bad. So I think if I had to, if I had to go and 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 grade it, I mean, it's not going to be good. It's it's probably, it it's honestly, it's probably like a two. Yeah, but you even gave it a two. That's surprising. It's probably a two out of ten, and and the construction was solid, and and I just think I don't like the flavor. Yeah, I think if you do enjoy the flavor, this is probably closer to an eight. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm. I just, just didn't like it. So, yeah, it's a two, and I can't give it a zero, right? I mean, I could, I guess, I can do anything I want as my podcast, but um, it's not a zero. 
it was well made, well constructed. It's tight. It was holding the burn line. I mean, all the stuff, the ash was, was solid. All the stuff you look for in a cigar, it just tasted bad for me. Yeah, and, and I'm, I, I guess I would, um, I would say that you're pretty spot on with your um, assessment of if you like the flavor, it'd be an 8, because that's what I was going to give it. Um, I think well, for go. me, an 8 out of 10 is, um, I, I think the reason it didn't get the 9 or a 10 even, I mean, I've had 10 cigars. We both have had 10 cigars, cigars that we wish we could just have an entire humidor full of that we can smoke all the time. And 9, I, I don't think it's a 10 cigar, but I think it could have been a 9. I think the reason it's not a 9 for me, um, it, it goes back to that last podcast with the jalapeno. I'm comparing it myself comparing it to the other chicharrones that I've had and I've had mm. the original I've had the bold I've had the spicy and I think they they name them well because the original is very much a more muted version I think uh, kind of a blend almost of the bold and the spicy um, it's a crap factory no it's not it's not a crap factory it's not <laughs> it's a, a crap factory. it's not a crap factory I think it's uh, it's a solid stick. Uh, the flavors were, I wouldn't say they're complex, but I think you get good flavors in it. Mine, I got good flavors in it, and the construction, like you said, was great. I mean, it's the fact that it's not mushy right now is is such a high note. I hate when cigars get mushy at the end, and this one's not at all. So I would give it an eight. Yeah, well, there there you have it. I mean, it's. Uh the, the joy of, of cigars, right, is what's my taste is not yours and yours is not mine. And um, certainly I don't hold it against uh, Viaje. It just wasn't, it's not like the thing blew up and, you know, kept going out and got mushy with, with five inches left or some craziness, right? It just, I didn't enjoy it. So, no, it's um, valid. That's valid. You know, that's what's good about cigars. I think, you know, I think. That's why I enjoy doing this so much, kind of as we wrap up um, podcast number two, creatively titled, We Still Grinding. Okay. Well, um, probably not. Probably not. You know, I mean, you know, I think that's what's good about this, right, is that we can sit here and you and I can have this conversation from our, from our patios, or we could sit at a, a cigar lounge and have this conversation with strangers next to us, or... Um, you know, you could go to on a factory tour and have this conversation. Right. And I think these are the conversations that lend themselves to the cigar culture, and that's why I like it so much. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think that's what brings um, not just you and me together as a, as cigar guys, but really the entire community. Um, we can all do this. You can sit down with anybody from anywhere, uh, from any community, whether it be Reddit or Speakeasy or Puff.com or Cigar Fed. Cigar Cartel. Yeah. Anybody you can sit down with and you could have this conversation. I think that's what makes this culture so unique. So um, I think it's a a good thought to leave on. Um, And I... uh, I, you know, put this put this one in the books. Uh, hopefully, the next one, uh, maybe the next one, we won't do the same cigar. Maybe we'll do a different cigar and then kind of see how those two play off each other. See how we're feeling on them. Yeah, no, and, and uh, I think my my final thought or my final note is, um, you know, smoke lots of different cigars, smoke lots of different things, find what you like, and uh, you know, keep on grinding. Keep on grinding. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you.